And then God further revealed to me, actually, it's, it says, ask and you shall receive, but it doesn't necessarily say what you'll receive. Right. Seek and you'll find. It doesn't tell you what you're going to find. True. Knock and the door will be open. So as I'm reading all of those things, I'm like, man, well, if my son asked me for ice cream for breakfast, I'm not giving him ice cream for breakfast. Mm -hmm. He's asking the wrong question. Yeah. He's asking to be filled. He, he's asking, for, he needs nutrients and sustenance. So I'm giving him a bowl of oatmeal. Yeah. It may not taste great, but it's what he needs. Well, welcome everybody back to the podcast. I'm excited today. In fact, do you know that just the other day we hit our two-year anniversary of the podcast? Kind of hard to believe. Um, and hopefully it's been a blessing to you. And if you haven't subscribed right off the bat, I want to tell you, please click the subscribe button right now so that you can make sure you don't miss any notifications of upcoming episodes. But to celebrate our anniversary time. I have a great guest here today, a good friend of mine, somebody I met a few years back. And let me just tell you a little bit about him. He's a pastor. Uh, he's a husband. Uh, he's a business person. Um, he's been instrumental in a couple of conversations we had in the past that kind of changed my life as well. So I'm really excited to have him here today. And that is Fred Young. So thank you so much, Fred, for coming and joining Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Pastor Jay. It's good to be here. It's awesome. Awesome to kind of connect once again. I know. It's been it's been a while. It has been. It's been a good two, three years yeah. at least, right? Yeah. So, you know, I want people to kind of get to know you because you, you, uh, you know, God's done great things in your life. You impact people. He uses you in a great way. So why don't you kind of give a little background, kind of like who you are, a little bit of your upbringing. Yeah. Um, and very important, you know, how did faith come in for you? And well, I was baptized in the womb. <laughs> you know, I was, I was born into the church and yeah. both super blessed immigrant parents from Taiwan, but they both got saved when they were in college. Okay. Um, my mom, my dad met my mom at a Christian fellowship for international students. Nice. When my mom, my mom, excuse me, my mom was saved when she was in Taiwan, came and said, Hey, how do I keep my faith? What am I supposed to do? She's like, oh, her mentors told her to find a Christian group. She goes to the Christian group. My dad was not saying. Okay. He says, man, I don't speak any English. Where am I supposed to meet girls? So he's like, I'm going to go to the international group. Okay. So they end up meeting there. He, of course, gets saved. Yeah. Um, they get married. They come to California. And so they end up finding a church. I get born there, born into the church, sis not system, but into the church family. Okay. Um. So I, I was born in the church, man, grew up as a church kid, really loved the Lord. Um, but I would say I had one incredible encounter when I was 16, 16 years old. Um, I grew up in a very conservative Chinese church. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't raise your hands during worship, um, probably fall asleep through half the sermons. It was very, it was not an environment that I thought was, wow, this is tons of fun. I love going to church. Yeah. Um, but, it, but it was something, I think there was a lot of fundamentals of, Faith being central, faith being something that we do. Um, woke up at 8.30 every morning, going to church, folding the Sunday bulletins with my mom. Um, yeah. That was just part of our way of life. 16 years old, I go to a youth conference. I remembering for the first time seeing people that were on fire for the Lord, seeing people not only express it with raised hands and singing out loud, but seeing real passion among people in my generation. I'd never seen that before. Right. Um, seeing a Holy Spirit move in them in a way that was unique to me, taught them talking about healing and signs and wonders. And I was like, what the heck is going on? Right. 
I remember coming back and calling my youth pastor and saying, I do not know what I just saw. I don't know what I experienced. And this is, I was just talking to someone earlier today. I said, I think this is why mentors and pastors are so important in your life, right? Because if it wasn't for the way that he helped me, coached me, fathered me, um, he could have very easily just kind of squelched his, ah, that was nothing, whatever. But he, right. he helped, he walked me through it. Hey, let's go look back in scripture. Let's see what um, real fervor and fire looks like. Let's see what it looks like when your life is transformed okay. with the Lord. And so, hey, why don't you share about that? So I was 16. I was like, man, I never preached before. I didn't know what that was. Yeah. When I was 16, I preached my first sermon, about 50 of my friends. Mm. It was an incredible experience seeing you speak and and share about what the Lord has done in your life and seeing your peers respond, having friends cry at the altar, lay hands on them, pray for them. So that was probably a huge shift in my life to say, man, this is, wow, this is powerful. This is exciting to see what God is doing. But of course, you know, life, culture gets in the way. Um, you know, I so probably since that encounter throughout college, probably lived a little bit of this back and forth double okay. life. Um, you know, I knew I really loved the Lord. You know, I had a radical encounter, began to try to really walk with him, but at the same time, still very um, drawn to want to be popular, want to be cool, want to be accepted right. into the whole like drinking and girls and partying and clubbing and doing all that. I went to UC Davis, mm -hmm. um, got involved with a group called Inner Varsity when I was in college. So it's a Christian fellowship. Yeah. And I remember looking at all the Christian fellowships, Campus Crusade, Navigators, Inner Varsity, but most of them met on Fridays. Okay. I can't go to church on Friday. That's, that's, the, that's the best time to go party. party night, right? That's party night. Uh -huh. But Inner Varsity met on Thursday. Oh, they were smart. And I ended up finding out later, they intentionally did that for the first year. Okay. Saying, let's move our meeting to Thursday night and try to get these party kids to come. Yeah. So that's the reason I went. So I came on Thursday night so I can go party on weekends. End up joining a business fraternity and um, becoming president of my fraternity. So end up getting very much both, right? I would lead Bible studies and I would lead men's ministries. But at the same time, I'm also going out and getting blasted on the weekends. Okay. Um, being too hungover to get up for church. So so I was, I, I remember this really at convicting moment my freshman year of college i'm walking through after taking a shower walking back to my room my friend down the hall says hey fred say yo what's up um you're a christian i was like what are you talking because i had a so i have a tattoo of a cross on my back okay i remember getting the tattoo of my cross because coming up we have these those wwjd bracelets you remember those okay. what would jesus do uh-huh but i remember whenever i would sin i would go party or i would drink or you know, I would do inappropriate things I shouldn't be doing. Uh, I would take off my bracelet, put Jesus over there on the side. Mm. I would go do whatever I had to do, do my sin, uh -huh. repent, put it back on. But I remember saying, man, and when I became 18, I was like, you know, really zealous. I was like, I want something that I can't take off. I want something that will, that will always be on. I need to get a tattoo. Yeah. I want to carry the cross on my back like Jesus did. Okay. So I have this tattoo that's like this big, this wooden cross. For some reason at that time, I thought it'd be a really good idea for it to be 3D looking. Mm. So this is very interesting looking cross um, on my back. So again, walking down the hallway, cross tattoo on my back. And and I hear him ask, you're a Christian? Mm. Man, that jacked me up. I, I lived in a way that was so antithetical to the Christian lifestyle that he was surprised that there was a cross on my back. Yeah. 
that it doesn't matter whether you're wearing bracelets or you're wearing tattoos, it's your lifestyle, right? The actions that we do, not the tattoos or the bracelets or the hats or the t-shirts that we wear, right? And so, sure. you know, I, I think those were all moments that continued to sharpen and and reality check moments. Man, what am I doing? You know, am I really living for the Lord? Um, but really what, what came down, it was, I think, 2010, so my junior year, I went to this conference called One Thing in Kansas City. Okay. And I remembering at that time I was president of my business fraternity. Um, and I was also heavily involved in the intervarsity. And I remember asking God at this conference, I said, God, it's probably a good time to ask you what I should do with my life. Mm -hmm. In my mind, that, junior year is around the time, okay, I need to prepare for internships. In my mind, I was like, okay, I'm going to I want to go into international sales and marketing. I want to travel the world, make tons of money, and give 10% to Jesus. That's what I thought my Christian life was going to look like. Okay. And I said, but it'd be good just to check in with the Lord. Yeah. And so I said, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And he responded with a very interesting question. I, I felt the Lord ask me, he's like, well, Fred, what do you want to do? I said, what the heck? I was like, um... It was really interesting, and, and he niched it down. He said, Fred, what if money wasn't an issue, mm -hmm. what would you be doing with your life? Yeah. And I said, man, I want to see young people come to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And he said, why don't you do it? Well, I said, well, because I don't want to be broke for the rest of my life. Right. You know, at that, and at that time, my understanding of being a pastor was just say you're broke. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I was like, man, I don't want to do that. And I just felt him ask me this very rhetorical question. He just said, do you trust me? Yeah. Ah, and I said, you know, when God asks you, do you trust me? And what else can you say? Whereas, of course, like, yes, God, I trust you. And so I came back, I deactivated from my fraternity mm -hmm. and I went all in into my Christian ministry. So mm -hmm. I started a men's ministry. I planted freshman small groups. I kind of went all in and really felt the Lord call me into vocational ministry after I graduated college. Okay. So I moved down to Southern California. I was part of a ministry that planted houses of prayer on college campuses. Mm. So I was going to about 15 campuses every week from Biola to LMU to USC, um, all the way down to UC Irvine, meeting with young people. We do regional gatherings, about three or 400 students once a month, yeah. really galvanizing prayer on college campuses. Um, you know, fast forward, did that for about three years, um, then life has that weird way of just smacking you in the face. Sure. Um, around 2014, um, you know, my brother ends up uh, having bouts of schizophrenia and starting to hear, he starts hearing voices. Yeah. What the heck? Like, I had no grid for this. I grew up in Pleasanton, California. Yeah. I had no grid of, like, what do you do with that? Especially in Asian culture. Yeah. Right? In Asian culture, like mental your mental aptitude is something that's very valued right so there was never any conversation around mental health yeah um mental health was something that always seemed like shoved in the corner i didn't even know it was a conversation um mm -hmm. at that time i so 2014 my brother starts to hear voices so our family begins this kind of journey in walking that out like trying to get him help um trying to figure that out 2015 um transition out of ministry i get burnt out get tired and and that's a whole nother bunny trail conversation of, you know, trying to do things alone, trying right. to, you know, I was out on the campuses by myself. I was under this organization, but there wasn't enough infrastructure and other people doing it with me. So I was on these campuses by myself, got tired, yeah. got burnt out. Um, that's, that's around the time where we met, right. where, so maybe I'll try something else, you know, just begins doing the entrepreneur thing and 
um, and then in, in, insert another relationship mm-hmm. um, that end up looking great at first, but end up being really terrible. Um, mm. Found out after the fact that um, my girlfriend at that time was bipolar. Mm. And so, you know, everything, I mean, it was the craziest journey with her. Right. Um, end up, you know, she was trying to kill herself every other week. Mm. Um, had a knife in her glove compartment that she would pull out and 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 put put, put on her wrist in front of me and said, mm. "If you can't see my pain, I need to show you what it looks like." Crazy stuff. Yeah, like you know, beating me, like strangling herself. Like, hey, I think it was it was just, again. I grew up in Pleasant. I grew up mm. in this very peaceful environment. I had no grid for what any of that meant, but I also didn't didn't understand what abuse was, right? I didn't understand mm-hmm. that men could be abused. I didn't know at that time I was undergoing mental abuse, emotional abuse, and even yeah. physical abuse. I think the idea and concept of abuse was big men hitting little women. Yeah. That's what I that's what media portrays, right? That's, that's what we dude, traditionally think. Right. Of, yeah. That that hits a little woman and then she calls the car, oh my gosh. But instead I remember there's specific there's a moment where, you know, we had just gotten into it. She like scratched me all over my face and all these things. And I was like, all right, this is the day. This is the day where I can find, I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm going to go to the cops. And because she was hitting me, I like grabbed, I wasn't going to hit her back, but I grabbed her arms and stop, please stop hitting me. Yeah. So she sends me, a, I wake up. I was like, the next day I'm going to the cops. She wake up the next day. She sends me these pictures. I said, man, look at all these bruises on my arms because she bruises easily. And I had grabbed her and said, please stop yeah. hitting me. Like, who are they going to believe? Mm-hmm. There's a little girl with bruises on her arms, which were to protect myself. Yeah. Are they going to believe this big dude? Right. So throughout that process, you know, we're fighting till 3 or 4 a.m. every other day. She's trying to kill herself every other week. Um, you know, I end up every, every other day, I'd buy a pint of ice cream, two cookies, and a large pepperoni pizza from 7-Eleven. Mm. Um, because at that time, like food, I, for me, it wasn't, drugs or alcohol or gambling for me it was food it was comfort it was um it was the one thing that wouldn't hit me back one yeah. thing that would love me in my time of need um and so i, I wish i could tell people that you know i turned to the lord uh-huh. got on my face but i think at that time i was just so trying to numb and find any place of comfort um and so for me fell into deep depression hmm. right so wake up at 12 o'clock I remember days where I wake up at 12, go to the bathroom, come back to sleep, wake up the next day. Mm. So I was so tired. Yeah. And so at that time, even in business, right? Like why I ended up kind of falling out. I was like, I couldn't get out of bed. So I couldn't go on appointments. Yeah. And so at one point being really one of the more successful people in our firm, mm-hmm. going to a place of just fully almost dropping, dropping completely out. Yeah. Which is also there was shame attached, right? There was... I couldn't tell anyone what was really happening. Um, I was trying to protect her. Um, she was also involved in my business. Mm-hmm. She was also involved in my church. Um, she was singing in our worship team. She's helping out with the kids. Mm-hmm. How could I tell anybody? Um, how would they view her? Mm-hmm. How to protect her? But in doing that, I isolated myself from the people that cared about me. Yeah. Um, I had a mentor tell me once um, afterwards, like, Fred, hope I can say this on air. You can edit it out later. She said, Fred, you need to stop being Captain Save a Ho. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> you need to stop being Captain Save a Ho. You need to stop worrying about these girls and you need to start start looking looking after yourself and running after the Lord and stop caring about these women. I was like, my goodness. 
So, but after, by the time we had broken up, I was like, okay, my brother, he's dealing with schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend's bipolar. Mm-hmm. I'm dealing with depression. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just probably the darkest moment in my life. Sure. Um, that's when I kind of reached out to my pastor at that time and said, yo, I need a job. Because mm-hmm. at that time, uh, my business was 100% commission-based, right? Like, so if I wasn't going out and working, I wasn't making any money. Yeah. For the first time, I with overdrafted my account. Like a nice little five-figure little savings account, overdrafted, um, for the first time, which is like a like a cardinal sin for Asians. It's like how you overdraft your account, how you have no money, right? Um, and that was just such a wake-up call. I was like, what the heck did I just do? I not only blew through fifteen months of my life, I blew through tens of thousands of dollars, and and I'm just in this place of of just such hopelessness applied to Starbucks. Um, said, man, I just need a job. I need someone, I need someone that will call me out and fire me if I don't show up. I got rejected from Starbucks, Pastor Jay. I was like, this is the low. I was like, I Starbucks. I from McDonald's one, so I get it. <laughs> I was like, Starbucks won't even hire me. Yeah. So my next step was McDonald's because it was okay. McDonald's down the street. Okay. But before then, I was, I'm just calling my pastor. Uh-huh. I called my pastor and, and that really was and I know it's cliche, right? They say, oh, when one door closes, God opens a window or something. Yeah. But it really was, I think, um, you know, God brought me through this terrible place. And even emotionally with my business, I was at rock bottom. But okay. because of that, I reached out to my pastor and said, hey, like, and I'll struggle, but I need work. Um, and you had said that you wanted to work with me before. Are you just a little open to that? I just need a job. Yeah. And she said, it's crazy you tell me that, Fred, because just yesterday, someone on my team put in their two weeks notice. Mm. So this Thursday, I called her. Friday, said, come for an interview. Came in on Friday. Then Monday, I had a job. And so that was September 2016. Nice. Um, so I've been on staff since September 2016. I got ordained about two years ago in 2021. Okay. So I've done everything at that church from overseeing our website stuff to over our volunteers to life groups and all types of stuff. Um, so now I'm at a church in called Harvest Rock Church in Pasadena. Okay. I oversee our midweek service, our life groups, our encounter weekend, mm-hmm. um, our young adults. And, and yeah, it's been a really interesting journey, right? Going through this place of really despair, um, and even this whole topic of mental health and abuse and, and male abuse, I think, has really been something that God has taken my pain to make a platform. Right? Sure. I think a lot of times we find purpose and platform in the places of deepest pain. Right. So we can amplify this voice that I think the world needs to hear. Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, fast forward, meet my meet my then then girlfriend. We started dating in 2019. Um, got married in 2021 as well. Awesome. Um, and so, yeah, it's been a blessing now married for about two years, pastoring, have a, have a little fur baby. His name is Bao, ah. like the bun, B-A-O. There you go. He's a beautiful little cockapoo. And so, yeah, that's why I had one of those growing up. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm hypoallergenic. So my, my choices were few. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he is, we're really, really blessed now. Um, having gone through a lot of hardship um, 2021, my dad also passed away. Mm. He passed away January of 2021, um, super suddenly. And so, yeah, a lot has happened in a very short amount of time, right? Yeah. So, you know, even moving down here, going through that relationship, this, that, and the third, then in 2021, you know, I think I'm learning. I think God's been teaching me a lot. How do you balance, um, 
pain and promise? How do you balance, go through this abusive relationship? Okay, wow, I'm getting to work for my church right now. I'm being able to see blessing and breakthrough. Wow, I started dating this awesome girl and we get engaged in November of 2020. Two months later, January of 2021, my dad passes away. Mm -hmm. How do I celebrate? How do I mourn my dad passing away? but still celebrate, wow, I just got engaged. Right. And then my, then I get married June of 2021. Mm-hmm. At the same time, still mourning my dad's death, right? So how do I balance, how do I be happy um, when there's still a lot of sad things going around? How do I be sad when I should be happy because there's a lot of good things that are happening? Right. So I think these last few years, God's just been teaching me a lot. How do I mourn with those who mourn? How do I rejoice with those who rejoice? How do I find God in the midst of all of the pain uh, and know that he's still good and he's still sovereign and he still cares for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then how do I also fully allow myself to rejoice? How do I not allow myself to be anchored to my past and anchored to the pain, um, but rejoice in the moments that God has given? So it's probably a lot more than you asked for. You know what? (laughs) It's great. And you know, let me follow up with what you're saying because I'm sure that as you're sharing that testimony, there are people out there that are struggling in their faith because obviously probably not the same set of circumstances, but in some cases, maybe some similarity. And as you're telling the story, I'm thinking to myself, okay, here's a guy who gets to the point where he's trying to do the right thing and then chaos breaks loose. Yeah. Yeah, As you were saying, things that you weren't even exposed to before. Right. Right. And I'm sure as you kind of express, there's that battle, like, what did I do? Right. You know, what, what, is, what is going on here? And I think some people really struggle with that. Like, God, are you punishing me? What, 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 what's, you know, I, you're supposed to be a good God. So, but uh, you, you kind of touched on the perspective on that nothing is wasted. Mm. You know, you're, you're, you're kind of touching in the fact that there's a lot of hurting people out yeah. there. How can you really understand them? Right. Having not gone through some of these things. And you also touched on something which is important. Um, I had a similar, you know, situation in my life where, I, where things were all falling apart where you have to make that decision. Did this come for you where you had to make that decision? Wait a minute. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand it, but I do know that God cannot possibly be wrong. Mm. And that somehow God is still God in the midst of all this chaos. Yeah. Did that kind of, did you kind of hit that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think and here's the reality, right? Like if we don't, there's some biblical truths that if we don't stand on, like that, like nothing else makes sense. Right. Right. And my Bible tells me in Hebrews that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I don't believe in the sovereignty of God, that he's the same, that he's a good father, that he loves me, that he didn't come to this, he didn't come to send chaos, that he actually is the bringer of great peace. Sure. So which tells me that everything outside of his nature and who he is, is not him. Right. So when a lot of people say, why did God do this to me? Why did that? Well, well, that's not God. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so when, when Satan came and he begins to have dominion over what we call earth in this world, sure. God's, God's like, Hey, 
You know, if you if you decided to do what you did, Satan fell. He said, hey, you have dominion over here until Jesus comes back. Right. And so I think I've come to understand that a lot of times we blame God for things that are not him. Yes. Is God sovereign? Yes. Which means he allowed it to happen. Sure. But I also believe in a God of free will choice that says, hey, you can choose things. Right. It's like it's like the kid that burns his hand on the stove. Right. The, the parents say, hey, don't do that. Mm-hmm. You're going to burn yourself. Yeah. Son, I know you're actually going to still touch it, but I'm going to allow you. I'm, I'm going to allow you to still make a choice, right? And so the kid waddles over and still ends up touching. Ah, well, I didn't put your hand there. I didn't. For, I actually told you not to touch it. Right. But I actually knew that you were still going to do it and disobey me. Mm-hmm. But I'm still going to allow you to make that decision, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that's, those are some concepts I think I had to allow myself to sit with. Say, okay, if I, if I actually believe the Bible to be true, that has to be the first premise. Is the Bible true? If the Bible is not true, then this whole conversation is moot. Sure. Because if you don't believe the truth of the word, hey, and I believe that the Bible is is God breathed, I believe mm-hmm. that it's accurate, I believe it's biblical and and whole and real. And so for me, I'm like, okay, he's not a God of chaos. Right. He's a God of peace, which means everything that's not that is not him. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's an interesting conversation um, when we look at happiness right when we look at okay what is happiness like what is good right happiness to me is defined by when good things are happy happening that makes me happy right but my bible says but the joy of the lord is my strength mm-hmm. which means joy is internal mm-hmm. joy comes from god so i've learned to shift my perspective of course does that say i'm do i want to be happy of course everyone wants to be happy but i think i've i've decided to stop chasing happiness and chase joy. Okay. Right? Cause joy can never be taken away from me. Yeah. So in the midst of the chaos of losing my dad, in the midst of the chaos of going through an abusive relationship, in the midst of the chaos of my brother beginning to lose his mind, mm-hmm. it was not a happy time. Of course not. Yeah. But it can still be a joyful time. Right. Right. And so I remember dad passes away. Right? I'm driving up to the bay with my friend. Mm-hmm. He's driving me because I can barely think straight. And I'm going through this moment of like, God, what the heck is happening? Right. This can't be real. This is fake. No, no, no. Because I got the call from my mom sitting in my office about to have a discipleship meeting with the youth pastor. Mm-hmm. And I get a call from my mom. Mm-hmm. She's screaming, he's gone. He's gone. He's dead. Mm-hmm. What the heck is going on? So he's driving me up and I'm going through just cranking. My friend didn't know what to say either. We just cranked on Maverick City, cranked on some worship music. Yeah. I'm going through worshiping God and going like, what the heck is happening? Worship. Okay, I need to worship through this. What mm-hmm. the heck is going on? By the time I go up five and a half hours, see my mom. We walk, see each other. Of course, we cry, cry in each other's arms. And then I look at her and I say, mom, I feel bad saying this, but I feel this incredible peace right now. Mm-hmm. Amidst, I, I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know what's happening, yeah. but I feel this peace. My mom says, I feel it too. Mm. Right, so the Bible says that he gives us peace that surpasses all understanding. Exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. And so the Lord began to speak to me as Fred, I can't give you peace that surpasses understanding until you go through something that surpasses your understanding. Right. A lot of times we go through things that God give me peace that surpasses understanding. But a lot of things we go through are within our understanding. Sure. Right. Your girlfriend breaks up with you. Oh, well, maybe you didn't, maybe you weren't a good boyfriend. 
oh, I lost my job. Well, maybe you weren't a good worker. Like there's all these things that we can rationalize why this happened. I failed the test. Maybe you should have studied harder. But my dad dies out of nowhere mm-hmm. in tragic circumstances. And it was completely beyond my understanding. I couldn't rationalize it. Couldn't explain it. But that's when Holy Spirit comes and gave me this peace mm-hmm. that surpassed my understanding. So, so when I began to think about, okay, is God real? Have I ever cried out to God amidst the crazy sir? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's so powerful about the Holy Spirit, so powerful about this faith is when circumstances doesn't look like it's making sense, which is why other people have to turn and lean on things, whether it's family or money or drugs. or I mean, there's all of these things that be- can become crutches yeah. and things that we need as support systems that will all eventually fail us. Yeah, Our family will fail us. Our spouse will fail us. Our children will fail us. Mm-hmm. But God is the one thing that will never fail us. He is the one thing, the one person that will always be there. And so amidst all of the craziness and the darkness and the pain in my life, of which is tr- has been tremendous, has been the one thing that I've been, wow, God, you have never left me. Mm-hmm. never left my family and I've encountered you even deeper now in the midst of pain and tragedy than I have when everything was good. Yeah. So let's follow up in this area of happiness yeah. because it's actually part of the reason that I asked you okay. to this podcast. Okay. I was talking with uh, DJ, our producer here, and I was recalling a conversation that we had mm-hmm. uh, several years ago, which I've never forgotten. Mm-hmm. It's when we were back in the office there in San Dimas. Okay. Um, I tell it when I when I tell it to people, I said it almost felt like kind of an ambush. Mm. Um, I got called into the office with my son Jay Jr. and you, and you asked me a question, yeah. which maybe you remember. Okay, uh, you said, "Hey, you know, we all like you, we all appreciate you, and we want you to be happy." And it seems like you're not. Mm. This is what you said to me, and I was thinking, "What in the world?" And and, and so the question of almost the exact wording that I remember is, and it touches in on what you just talked about, circumstances. Mm. You said, what is your life like and what are the circumstances like on a day when you are happy? Mm. And at first I I was like, what kind of dumb question is that? This should be very easy to answer. (laughs) And then I became very frustrated because I couldn't answer it. Mm. I realized that I was always looking to some preferred future. I was always looking to something else. I was not there. And it was one of the most eye-opening experiences. I'm glad you asked me the question because it changed, you know, God used it to change my life in many ways. Um, Not too long after that, I was having a conversation with Dan, who you, Mm -hmm. you remember Dan, and he had come to the office for something. And he said, hey, Jay Senior, how's it going? And and I told him that my response was, well, I got a few things going and when they come, when, when, when they happen, then, then, then I'll be happy. Sure. And he looked at me and he said, oh, well, that's your problem. You need to choose to be happy now. Happiness isn't based on circumstances. It's a choice. Mm. So that kind of touches on what you just said. Sure. Having got after that conversation, a lot of the things that you just detailed, mm-hmm. you then went through. Yeah. So did you come to the same conclusion? I think you just kind of touched it. What 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 is tell other people that that are going through stuff and that's why they're not happy. You know, when this happens, when I get this house, when I get this promotion, yeah. when, when I finally get this situation resolved. Mm-hmm. How does happiness have to become 
a decision. Right. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll say this, and this, this is just my own current musings at, okay. at, at this moment. I, I don't think, or I don't know if it's God's top priority for us to be happy. Okay. That's fair enough. <laughs> and this just means a lot, of, a lot of people process. A lot of people today are teaching. Sure it is. Sure. I, I think this idea that happiness is a choice, and it's interesting, right? I think a lot of biblical principles are actually worked out much better by non spiritual people or non or unbelievers. How do I say yeah. this? Like gratitude. Right, that's a very biblical principle. Yeah, right to to thank God, to be grateful, all these things. But I hear so many non Christians teaching on gratitude. Yeah, gratitude journals. Wake up and say your gratitudes. All of these different things, right? And they said, from a place of gratitude is a place where you find peace. From a place of gratitude is a place where you have the acceleration. All of these different things yeah. that they teach outside of the biblical context, right? Okay. And we see the fruit of it. Then you see other people teaching on giving. Oprah, Bill Gates, they give, 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 give. People can say, well, it's a tax write-off. Whatever the reason, they're right. giving, yep. right? And and probably heavily outgiving the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because I believe biblical principles are principles just like gravity, whether or not they're Christians that are using them. Mm-hmm. And so, so I say that even, so Dan's point of saying happiness is a choice I think also is this place of, it's a principle, right? Whether or not it's a Christian that's using them, whether or not it's someone that's a believer that reads their Bible is a no, like they've recognized that actually it is a choice that I can make to be grateful. It's a choice that I can make to to love who I am regardless of what's going on. And and so I think I'm at this place now where, yeah, it, it's not God's number one job and his fullest desire well our happiness is not his number one concern i think what we do and how we respond to the circumstances in our life is the sign of our maturity as believers Mm -hmm. and as men and women of god right so number one the joy of the lord is our strength i touched on that earlier it's like man like so regardless of what's happening in my life the joy of the Lord, my joy in who he is and what he's already done for me, the fact that I'm waking up breathing and not only breathing, but because of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, I get to be one day reunited for all of eternity with the Father. Sure. That joy, that that joy that he has in me and I in him, that's my strength, okay. right? And so that has nothing to do with whether or not money's hitting my bank account. That has nothing to do with my marriage. That has nothing to do with what's going on. Mm-hmm. Does God want me to have a fulfilled life and walk out the things he's, I believe so. Mm-hmm. I believe that he created me and designed me with a purpose, right? And the Old Testament talks about it. It says you were knit together in your mother's womb. And we all, in Jeremiah, right? For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, give you hope in the future, right? So we all have plans and purposes. And as we walk those things out, because here's the thing, right? We've seen many people that seem like they're walking out their plan and their purpose and doing all the right things, but are unhappy. Right. Right. So when we talk about, man, I ain't got no money in my bank account. I have, I don't have a girl. I don't have a dog. I don't have kids. I don't have anything. Mm -hmm. But tell me like, 
tell me that you getting all of those things is going to make you happy. Because I can turn and look at many celebrities, athletes, different people that have committed suicide, all of these things. And you hear lottery winners that end up becoming homeless, yeah. right? And that could say they have everything in the world, mm-hmm. but are still unhappy. Yeah. So to me, this chase for happiness, which to me is 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 a temporary fleeting feeling or happy i'm happy one day i'm sad one day because to me and that's maybe why i'm leaning into this joy thing because my joy is unceasing my joy is is constant okay even if my feelings may change now tying in with joy because there is a distinction there yeah. and, and the passage is coming to my mind mm-hmm. as you're mentioning it not tied to the circumstances and a choice is in james 1 where it's saying consider it joy mm-hmm. when you go through various trials mm-hmm. yeah because of knowing the purpose on the end which is that it's pr- yeah. it's producing patience or perseverance mm-hmm. it's making you complete yeah um you with some of the struggles and things that you went through that you're describing and yet there was even though it was not caused by god obviously it was allowed Mm-hmm. But there is a growth process in order of a completion to help someone else or to be something to someone else down the line that God still used it in that process. So so it would be a choice to know that God is still in control, mm-hmm. right? And something will come out of it. Yeah. Um but but I think you're right. I think you're touching on something that there's a there's a bad theology today that's going around quite a bit, that God is just the genie in a bottle. Right. You know, it's like, right. let me just pray the right thing, have enough faith. Um, God is here to make my life better, right? you know, and to give me everything I want. Where does it say that in scripture? I mean, it didn't work for Jesus, obviously, sure. right? And we're supposed to be like him. So um, you're bringing up an excellent point, And I think that's why so many are disillusioned in their faith, because they're sold this bill of goods of what it's going to be like. And right. it's not, it doesn't line up that way it's interesting i was recently doing bible study with my group and we're looking i believe is matthew 7 where it talks about the log in your log in your eye and the speck in your brothers sure and so a lot of times when i look at the bible what i've been teaching my my guys and my, my church has been oftentimes we don't recognize as we exegete scripture that scripture was one giant papyrus right or um, it was one story that after the fact, theologians and councils had come in and separated into chapters and verses and different things, right. really for the ease of reading or many other reasons, right? And so, but because of that, we end up separating scriptures, right? Because of headings, or, right? You said, oh, the log and the speck, and then ask, seek, and knock, and all of the, and we we separate the reading. Right. But if we actually read it in its entirety, we we actually see how things begin to link in parallel with one another. Right. So we're looking at that scripture and looking at that, the log and the speck. And, you know, of course we understand, right? Don't look at the speck in your brother's eye, look at the log in my own. Mm-hmm. And someone in my congregation pointed out as they were looking at it and tied that to ask, seek, and knock. Um, they said, actually, if, if we're able to take the log out of our own eye, we're actually able to ask God accordingly Mm-hmm. to the way that he desires us to ask him. 
I think a lot of times tying into, well, God is a genie in a bottle. How come when I ask him for things, it's not happening? Mm -hmm. Well, could it be that we're actually not asking him rightly? Because I believe the Bible is true, right? Asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find, mm -hmm. knock and the door will be open to you. But how come you're asking for things and they aren't happening? Could it be that you're asking the wrong questions? And you're asking the wrong questions because you still have a log in your eye and it's preventing you from seeing God rightly. Mm -hmm. Right. So if, if I'm not seeing clearly and I have the wrong glasses on, the wrong prescription, then I'm not able to see rightly. But if I'm able to adjust the way that I view, I'm able to take the log out of my eye and see God rightly. Then it says, asking you shall receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open. Right. And I'm able to ask the right questions. And then God further revealed to me, actually, it's, it says, ask and you shall receive, but it doesn't necessarily say what you'll receive. Right. Seek and you'll find. It doesn't tell you what you're going to find. True. Knock and the door will be open. Within that passage, also within that chunk of scripture also talks about if God's a good God, even evil fathers will give, if a child asks for a bread, will he give him a stone? How much more so a good father? Right? So it's saying if even us fleshly people will give kids what they want, how much more so a good father? So as I'm reading all of those things, like, man, well, if my son asked me for ice cream for breakfast, I'm not giving him ice cream for breakfast. Mm -hmm. He's asking the wrong question. Yeah, He's asking to be filled. He, he's asking, for, he needs nutrients and sustenance. So I'm giving him a bowl of oatmeal. Yeah. It may not taste great, but it's what he needs. So sure. ask and you shall receive. The kids ask for ice cream, you're asking the wrong question, son. You're gonna receive oatmeal. It may seem like you're not getting what you want. Mm -hmm. It's actually what you need, right? And so I think this day and age, we need to begin shifting perspectives. We're actually asking the wrong questions. We're not actually, it's not that God is disappointing us. It's not that he's a bad father. It's not that we're not getting what we want. It's actually, he's giving us exactly what we need. Yeah. Um, and he's actually perfect in all of his ways. Absolutely. And doesn't it also say, I think we're back in James again. I was in James recently. Yeah, yeah. That's why. Where it says you ask, but you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. So you spend it on your own pleasures. It's right. about you. Right? right. So, and he knows, just like what you're tying in, um, we ask for what we want, but he knows what we actually need. Mm -hmm. So, so good stuff. Well, going along with this, um, I mean, your enthusiasm for, for what you're sharing and everything mm -hmm. is, is great. So what are the things that God has, I'm going to tie back to what you said or sure. conversation you had with God. Yeah. Where he's saying, do you trust me? And he asked you. A question that you didn't expect. Well, Fred, what do you want to do? Yeah. All right. So let's ask that. Fred, what do you want to do? What are you most passionate about right now? What's God, how has he made you Yeah. in the sense that this is, money's no object, whatever. Sure. This is what matters to me the most. Sure. Yeah, I, I think I'm still, I think I would answer it the same and some. I want to see young people come to know the Lord. Mm-hmm. So I still want to see disciples being made. I want okay. to see. Why? And I think it's the thing that changes people's life. Okay. It's, it's the thing, a relationship with God is the thing that I, is, is the answer and the antidote, I believe, to this broken and fallen world, to all of the confusion that's happening in society, to mm -hmm. all of the depression and the mental health issues. No, my God is a bringer of peace. He's a prince of peace. He's the... He's the peace amidst the storm, and he's the God that calms all anxiety. Right. Even for me, I've been recently diagnosed by my therapist that you have high functioning anxiety. I didn't know that. Um, 
You know, so for me, it's only been God that's been able to say, okay, how do I calm down? For sure. Are there tactics and tools I can use um, and, and therapy tricks? For sure. But mm-hmm. it's been the Holy Spirit that's been able to help me walk through these things. I absolutely am a proponent of mental health services and therapy. I think they're all great, but I think we all, they all need to be founded in our relationship with the Lord. Correct. Um, number one, I think, would be discipleship, multiplication of believers. Number two, I think God's really burdened my heart um, for mental health awareness. I think really bringing awareness and a conversation, particularly within the church community, about what does it mean? How do we grapple with mental health. I think I'm in an interesting position being a pastor in a church and having such close personal ties to um, so many huge mental health issues, my brother, with my ex, with other family members, and not just like, no no mental health issue is small, but the more severe cases, right? Like bipolar, schizophrenia, Mm -hmm. like big Big M mental health issues, right? I mean, there's certain chemical issues, right? Imbalances. And so I've come to this place. I had a friend who's a psychiatrist. He said, Fred, I've, um, I've come to this place before where I've, I've done all the diagnoses. I've prescribed all the meds, but my clients aren't getting any better. Mm -hmm. I feel like they need spiritual help. They need Mm -hmm. counseling or deliverance or something like that. And I said, man, I've been on the other side where I've done all the spiritual things. You know, I come from more Pentecostal charismatic background. So Mm -hmm. I've waved my flags. I've done the oil, blow the shofar, done the deliver. I've done all of those things, but, but they're not healed or delivered or set free. I feel like they, they probably need to go sit with you and get some meds. And so even that merging of, Hey, like, what does it look like to both walk in spirit, but also recognize, hey, there are practical tools we can use in the mental health field. Right. Um, and my last thing I'll say is the abuse, male abuse piece. I think mm-hmm. that's another issue that God has really been laying on my heart. I think it's a lot more common than we think. No, oh, sure. Uh, I think it's an issue because of stigma in society today of what manhood and masculinity looks like. Yeah. No man wants to talk about it or say that they've ever been abused. I had a as I began to be more open with my story, I had a young man come up to me once after church and say, Pastor Fred, um, it's crazy that you shared that because, you know, she, he, at that time he was just trying to get out. He had just gotten saved and really mm-hmm. walking with God. And he told his girlfriend, I don't want to have sex anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and that girlfriend ended up going to, um, she said, okay, she went, she went to the bathroom and began pounding her head mm-hmm. on the, on the, ca- on the counter yeah. until he would have sex with her. Um, and he said, I felt so trapped. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Yeah. And that's a form of abuse and manipulation sure. that she was doing to him. And so I be- as I began to share, I had more and more people come up to me and say, man, I've been exactly where you are. I had mm-hmm. no one I could share that with because I didn't want to be seen as less of a man. I don't want to be seen as less of a believer. I don't know what to do. Right. So I think those would be probably the three areas that God has really given me a burden for. Um, and number one, I think should be all of us is wanting to um, was it the Great Commission, right? Yeah. To go out, go out and make disciples of all nations. Yeah. Um, number two would be the mental health piece and how that ties in with us as a church. And number three would be the male abuse. Right. And, and you're tying in, you know, like Philippians four with the anxiety. Obviously, it says be anxious for nothing. That's a choice, but people are going to have things that they're anxious about. Mm-hmm. And what it tells us to do, of course, is prayer petition yeah not to pretend it's not there right but to take it to god and mm-hmm. said 
And, and you mentioned earlier with your story, you know, you lost your dad. You're traveling up to to Northern California to see your mom, mm-hmm. and God gives you this peace, which comes from taking it to Him, not necessarily understanding it, right? Right, taking it to Him. I want you to imagine for a second, because you're tying in the spiritual part of it. Yeah. Let's say we take the same set of circumstances of what happened, mm-hmm. and now take God out of it. Mm-hmm. You don't have that. Mm-hmm. Where that peace came from? Yeah. How do you get out of it then? I mean, how do you how do you survive <laughs> it then? You know. You know, I, me and my mom are probably both in mental health facilities because <laughs> you know it. What happened in our family is is something that you know I don't that I'm probably not ready necessarily to share publicly yet. But I'll just say that it was very tragic. It was. Um, it was just something that happened so suddenly and and really unfortunate circumstances. And yeah. if me and my mom did not have faith uh, in a God that we know is real and provides real comfort, mm-hmm. real peace, there's no way I'm sitting here with you today. Yeah. Right. There's no way that I'm standing on my two feet. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no way I'm not numbing myself away. Right. Because that's the only way that that the world knows how to, how do I respond to pain and difficulty in my life? Yeah. Right. I, I need to turn to, everyone needs to turn to something. Sure. Right? When I'm hurt, when I'm broken. So it, it's like, if I get shot on the battlefield, I need to go to the medic tent to get healed. Mm-hmm. So if my medic tent is not the Holy spirit and Jesus, then where else are they turning for their medic tent? Right. They're turning to food, they're turning to sex, to drugs. And even for those, well, I'm just going to go to a Tony Robbins event. Like those things can also be sources of numbing, right? Because you turn to yourself. Yeah. Because that's self-motivation. I am good enough. I am powerful. I can conquer anything. But what happens when yourself is not strong enough? Because everyone has a limit. Sure. The difference between us as believers and and everyone else is that my God is unlimited. Mm -hmm. His source is unmatched. Right, so I don't care how many times I walk across fire at a Tony Robbins. And hey, I love Tony Robbins. We've been to an event. Yeah. Like I, I think they're great. It's awesome. But yeah. at the end of the day, it is promoting this idea that I can conquer anything. Right, right? I, it's a self-driven thing. So even when we begin to walk into these places of, of being self-reliant, I also think that it eventually has a crack. It eventually is going to fall apart. You're eventually yourself can only take on so yeah. many things. And then it all falls apart. And when you come face to face with the fact that there's something you can't control, then well, what do you do? Right. So going along with that, uh, one quote um, from Ed Milet, you're familiar with Ed yep. Milet, is that you're the one who's the most qualified to help the person that you used to be. Sure. So thinking of that, and 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 there's there's biblical truth to that as sure. well. Um, that's where you think. A lot of, I'm sure that's where a lot of this passion then is For coming sure. from, right? For sure. I mean, that's, I think I had, I said it earlier, your, your pain becomes your platform yeah. or your pain becomes your purpose. You know, the thing that we go through, that's like, even I, so I'm in this journey. I've been in this journey for a long time of wanting to lose weight. Right. Um, and for a long time, I've looked at people that, so especially on Instagram and different people you follow, I mean, I don't want to look at the guy that's just born shredded out of the belly. I came out with a six pack. Like, I don't want to look at him. We do not have the same journey. Okay. I only look at the guy that was 400 pounds. And then somehow through 
hard work, discipline, dedication, man, now he's shredded and now he's fit and whatever because he's been through the process, right? And I can relate with him. He understands my struggle and then I've seen him succeed, uh-huh. right? So I think absolutely, I very much resonate with what Ed's saying is who we used to be. I think we have authority in the places in which we've overcome, mm-hmm. right? And so for me, the places that I had mentioned dealing and having authority in the place of overcoming abuse, having authority in the places of dealing with mental health issues and all of these things are places which now I feel like I have grace to speak into. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think part of that too, right, on the flip side is it creates a lot of humility of recognizing, man, there's a lot of places that I don't, a lot of places where I need to learn from people. A lot of places, I think, especially as pastors, right, and as leaders, we almost sometimes feel like we have to have the answer for everything when people come to us. Yeah. But I've realized the best answer is I don't know. Man, I don't know, but I, answer, right? but I can find some. I can find the answer for you. Someone. I may not be the expert in this, but I can help direct you to someone else who is. Have you ever made that mistake? I made this mistake early on. Yeah. Where and now I catch myself. Sure, I don't do it. Sure. Where someone's telling you something, they're pouring your heart, their heart out, and you make a statement like, "Well, okay, I understand." <laughs> and they look at you and they go, "Well, quite frankly, no, you don't." Sure. You know. Sure. And that happened to me one time. And then I realized at that point, it's like, you know what? Don't say that unless you really do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you just kind of brought that up. Yeah. Because not going through something, yeah. we may have an intellectual understanding of what we think they're going through, mm-hmm. but it's different. It's absolutely different. Right? We give just the clinical answer. And yeah. And that's, that's, um, that's not good. Um. How do you, just a couple more questions. You, you mentioned you got married and all of that. Mm-hmm. So how do you balance? Because there's been many that have crashed and burned because they get so involved in ministry and they don't balance. So how do you balance the the needs of being a good husband yeah. with also being passionate about everything that God wants you to do? For sure. One of the greatest quotes or one of the greatest pieces of advice that I've gotten from my mentors has been never allow the church to become your mistress. Mm. Never allow the church and ministry to become your mistress to your family. And I think that's something that I'm really learning. Um, you know, I think, and I used to tell my wife or she's my girlfriend and then my fiance all the time, like, do you know what you're getting yourself into? You're marrying a pastor. And like, there's just a different level of accountability. There's going to yeah. be different eyes on you. Like our life is going to look different. Yeah. Um, but I think as we've stepped into it and now just coming on two years of marriage, um, I definitely think that it's had to be an intentional choice. So number one, how, how have we done it? I think we've really tried to be intentional with date nights. I think Wednesday night has always been, hey, we we are not going to make plans. We're going to be, ve- it's going to be very sacred. If we ever have to do something Wednesday night, we always replace it with another night. So I think the intentionality of quality time. Two, I think we've recently reinstated a Sabbath, um, which is ironic as a pastor say, I recently did that guilty confession. I have not been good at Sabbath. Uh, I, Same. I've had to learn what that means, right? And so been trying to follow the Jewish thing, sundown to sundown. Or, um, so we, we try to do Thursday to Friday, sundown to sundown of, um, and Sabbath, I think is different for everybody. I think some people like the Jewish understands you do nothing. Right. And so 
But that's also become very legalistic, right? Pharisees, yeah. right, would pack up little tents in their homes and they would say, I think it's 100 meters, however long it was, they would go that far and they would plant another tent and say, this mm-hmm. is my home now. Yeah. And then they say, I can go another. So so they would try to fudge the system, right, mm-hmm. of, of what they can do for work, right? And so for us, it's been less about not doing anything and more about time with the Lord. Okay, more about recentering ourselves. So for me, what helps me with time with the Lord is I actually really like going to other communities and congregations where people don't know me or where I'm not a pastor, right? Because I think at our, when we're at our congregation, there's expectation. Even if I'm not preaching, there's just, hello, how are you doing? Oh, what's been going on? And so I think going somewhere else where I can just receive yeah. is very life-giving for me. Okay, And so that's been a practice that we've been trying to establish. And so mm-hmm. I think I think those pieces of Sabbath, of intentional date nights, um, and, and, and again, that foundational piece, I think there's another layer I don't have yet, right? Real kids, right? I joke, I have my fur baby, but my dog is not my child, right? It's a, it's a new, that is a new dimension of expectation and responsibility. And so I think we're just trying to establish some healthy rhythms now right. um, so that when kids do come in the picture, we're able to further, they're able to come into a healthy ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unfortunately, we've seen in the last few years, just so many men and women got fall, right. right? Men of notoriety that I looked up to, mm-hmm. read their books, watched their sermons. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, like that, that can't be it. Like you, you've achieved what most pastors could only dream of. Yeah. You have a, you have a platform and a reach that one we could only dream of. Uh-huh. And you did not finish the race well. Right. And so for me, I've had, to be honest, I've had to really readjust expectations. Mm-hmm. If that's the end goal, I don't want it. Right. Right. I I would rather pastor a small little church, but have a healthy marriage, healthy kids, healthy relationship with the Lord, mm-hmm. finish well, than try to build a mega church and have 17 New York Times bestsellers and then fall and fumble my way into the end zone. Good point. Right. So, and, but it's not to say they're mutually exclusive. Right. Because right? I've seen men and women of God have incredible ministries, mm-hmm. huge blossoming mes- mega churches but I also hear about their intentionality with the Lord. I hear about their intentionality. Like my, my senior pastor, Papa Che, he, every day without fail, even when he's traveling, FaceTimes with his wife and they have consistent times of prayer together, right? And so, so I think it's those things where no matter, I, but I think those practices were built while things were still small, sure. right? Before when things explode, if you don't have those rhythms yet, then by the time you get to that place, you don't have a good foundation. Those disciplines, yeah. right? All right. So along with that, it's just a question that came yeah. to my mind. You mentioned earlier about how your personality, which many men have this personality of wanting to protect. Sure. Of wanting to, you know, shield. Yeah. Yet at the same time, a relationship, it's important to be able to bear one another's burdens, to be able... Yeah. So how do you balance that? Sure. Like in marriage, how how do you like, you want to be able to share with your wife because this is who you are and she needs to know what you're going through. Yet at the same time, not make it where it becomes burdensome and too heavy for her as well, because you have that desire to protect. So is there, is there a tension there? Sure. Um, I, I would say it, I think that's why number one, I think the second most important decision we make after following Jesus is who we choose as a spouse. Mm-hmm. 
right? And so I think it's it's so important who we choose to yoke ourselves to, right? Because as right. believers, we believe that's for life. Yeah. Um, I think each woman is different. I think there's, I think this idea of gender roles and which, which I think to some extent, sure. Yeah. You know, men provide or protect women stay at home and do what I, I think, I think today in 2023, I think as different things play out, it could be different. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think this idea of, so you talk about bearing one another's burdens. I think what's been a little, maybe a little bit different for us is that my wife very much also wants to bear my burdens. Okay. Um, she's been in a place of, because I think I used to be like that when we first even started dating. And then earlier, early year of marriage was like, I want to shield her. I want to protect. I don't want to tell her everything. Right. But she's been very much, hey, but I'm your partner. Yeah. Like, I, I want to bear that load with you. I want to do this together. I don't want you to feel like you have to do this by yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's been huge for us. Yeah. I think recognizing that, number one, I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. And so I think that when I say that God is such a God of redemption is because I feel like it's so opposite than what I experienced five years ago with my ex, right? Yeah. Because, man, I had to protect. I had to, I had to cover. Mm -hmm. Like, I felt like I was walking on eggshells all the time because I didn't want her to explode or I stepped on the landmine or something. Sure. But with my wife now, it's very much like the communication is different. She wants to walk with me. She, mm -hmm. she finds it a joy to do this together. Um, so I actually think that it's been a super blessing to, like you said, it's not me bearing her, it's bearing one another's burden. Sure. Yeah. Which, you know, you kind of think of it this way, that it comes to mind. You know, when you try to move something and it's really heavy and it's really awkward and it's hard to do it, mm -hmm. but then when you do it and you try to move it together with someone else, it becomes so much easier. Yeah. Isn't that kind of what the bearing one another's Absolutely. hurts? I mean, even when we talk about yoking, right? Mm -hmm. Where does that come from is, is the actual yoke of an oxen. Yeah. Right. So when two oxen are walking together, they put on this yoke that attaches us together. Uh -huh. Right. But if one oxen is not as strong as another, you're, it's not equal weight pulling together. Sure. Right. And so I think that's why it's so important that both are just as strong. And if I'm the only one that's, that's bearing weight, I'm the only one that can handle things. And the other is a small little oxen. It's going to be very hard to move at the right pace together. Difficult, right? right? So I think, and, and even let, let, let's say that that we were going to be equally yoked on how we move this table somewhere, and you know, decided, no, my idea is we're going right, 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 right. and I'm like, we're in a right, right, war. yeah, right. Um, tying in with that just a little bit, you, you know, you're talking about working together as a couple. You know, I'm thinking back in the book of Genesis where Adam then, you know, God takes a look and said it's not good for him to be alone. But what who did he create? He didn't create another Adam. Sure. You know, he created not Adam and was, Steve. Yeah, Adam and Eve. Exactly. <laughs> the, the, I mean, if it was just about everyone being exactly the same, you just would have created another guy, right? Right. But but uh it was someone that was that would complete you know, sure. and, and compliment back and forth kind of equally both ways. Mm -hmm. I think it, it made that team, and, and that's how God kind of laid that beautiful foundation sure. of marriage right mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. So um, I encourage you just to keep that up because, yeah. um, you know, that's what God has designed and wanted yeah. is for people to work together that way and understand the value that they both have and what they link to the table. Absolutely. Well, let's wrap it up with this. This has been a great interview, and I'm sure that uh, it's going to be a blessing to some people out there. Mm -hmm. But 
Now I'm going to kind of give you an open-ended question. Sure. We have no idea who watches this, and we have no idea when. It's going to be out there. It could be a year from now. Now till Jesus comes back. Yeah, whenever, <laughs> right? But let's kind of prayerfully okay. look to here. There's someone listening right now who's hurting, you know, and maybe they feel like there's huge waves in their life, mm. um, and they're about to go under, mm. you know? Um hypothetically, on whatever the spirit leads right now. Yeah. What is God telling you to say to them? Hmm. Yeah, to the person that feels like life is taking them over, to the person that feels like waves are crashing in on them. You know, I keep hearing very simple three words, peace be still. Right, Jesus looked at the waves in the boat and the reality the difference between the disciples and Jesus was the disciples were frantically trying to figure out we're going to die. Jesus, you bring us out here to die on the water. But Jesus was calmly laying his head on the pillow, knowing that he controlled the winds and the waves, knowing that the circumstances did not affect him. They actually bowed down to him. So I want to encourage you that if you're listening today and you feel like life is taking you over, you feel like you're being smothered. You don't know how to make bills. You feel like, the pressures of life are crushing you. Peace be still. You serve a God that is greater than every struggle in your life. And if you don't know that, Jesus, I welcome you today to come to know him. There is a God that says you don't have to carry these burdens on your own. If you're tired, you're weary, you're saying, man, I don't want to do this by myself anymore. I don't want to carry these burdens by myself anymore. I need help. Today, you have an opportunity. Today, you have an invitation to follow that Jesus. I want to invite you, if that's you, you don't know God, you've never experienced or let Jesus into your life, I want you to invite him into your life right now and say, Dear Jesus, I repent for every way in which I've tried to do this life on my own. I surrender complete control. And I want to follow you. I want to follow you all the days of my life. I allow you to say, peace be still to every wave in my heart. And I surrender to you. I believe that you are God and I am not. Thank you for dying on my sin, on, on a cross for my sins. In Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you fully believe it with all of your heart, I encourage you to find a local church where you're at. Get discipled. The prayer is just one part. Salvation is free, but sanctification will cost you everything. Just saying the prayer isn't it. Now it's time to walk this thing out. So again, for if, if you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling like life is crashing in on you, you have a God in which you can place your complete trust that the waves of life bow down to you do not bow down to them that anxiety will pass this hard time will pass but jesus will never fade and the moment you have accepted him into your life that peace will remain with you forever bless you amen that's awesome hey fred let me ask you this uh it's possible somebody's out there and maybe they they're inspired by something you said yeah. today or or they really feel a connection yeah that you would understand. What's a good way for someone to reach out to you and make a contact? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you always find me on socials. Uh, my Instagram, um, at Fred, C as in Calvin Young. Um, over there, you can shoot me an email, shoot me a DM. I'd love to connect with you. 
um, yeah, where you come to church. I'm at Harvest Rock Church right now. Um, and come join us for fellowship. Amen. Hey, Fred's a really good guy. I'm sure that you could tell from today that what he's sharing comes from his heart. He means it. And so I definitely encourage you, if if something's resonated there and the Lord's leading you to make a connection, uh, feel free to do that. And also, I hope, like I mentioned in the beginning, that uh, you'll not only follow these podcasts, but also share this one today. If it's been a blessing to you today and you know someone else in your life that would benefit from hearing this story, make sure that you share it and understand you can reach out to us at any time as well. Uh, you can connect with me as well, Jay Gothier Sr. at Gmail or that name on Facebook or Instagram. So God bless you. Uh, we encourage you to continue to seek him out in every step of your life. That's truly where the peace that passes understanding comes from. So this has been the Audacious Faith Podcast. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Take care.